There we go, and welcome back to another episode of Friday Night Counter-Attack. And we've recorded this episode, or we're recording this episode, the day after both of the semi-finals were completed. So England versus Italy is the final for the European Championships 2020, played in 2021. And I had the pleasure of going to watch the European Championships at Wembley this summer as well, watching Italy versus Spain again with my cousin Adil, who's joined the podcast today. Adil, thanks for coming on the podcast. How have you been since we saw each other on Tuesday? How was how was how was it for you? I was knackered yesterday. <laughs> I'm exhausted as well. I'm literally broken. I didn't really have much sleep Tuesday well, Wednesday morning. It's just ridiculous o'clock. Yeah, we came back at some long time. Waiting around London was amazing, but it was just the fact that we were just there like then we've got to do it all over again for the England game. We didn't go to the England game, but we just had to like obviously mentally prepare for the England game. But England got to the uh, the, the the final, and I'm just there like just tired, exhausted. Just there, like everyone else around me, like yes, we're in the final. Come on, the flat area that I'm in, the city centre that I'm in, they're all buzzing, they're all shouting. I'm just there like, oh yeah, it's it's fine, it's fine. We're, we're my eyes are still baggy. I'm still exhausted, still tired, but. Um, it is what it is. It was a good experience for both those semi-finals, both good games. And um, let's just start with the review of the semi-final for Italy versus Spain. So originally I wanted Spain to win. So I went in the ground hoping that Spain could cause an upset because I feel like this Italy side is far too dominant um, for for the European Championships. And Roberto Mancini has really pulled a rabbit out of the hat with his team. I really believe that he's actually the superstar of his team. We've had a football agent, Marco, on... Previously, he talked about the, the brilliance of this Italian side. And yeah. he was right in the fact that Roberto Mancini is the superstar and all of these players are very good players. And they've got him to a final. And it's building for the World Cup in a year and a half time as well. But they really could get a, a trophy in this tournament as well. But um, we, again, we were at the game together. We watched the game. But we did see some weaknesses in that Italian side. Added. What did you kind of find were the main strengths, however, for that Italian side once you watched them against Spain? Strengths would be the two centre backs. <laughs> the defensively they're like monsters. The two walls of Italian football. Um, what else would I say? I'd say the midfield was pretty good. Mm-hmm. I mean, first half they played. I think how Mancini wanted. They played his tactics to a T, where they said we'll drop deep. You have the ball. You see what you can do against us, and we we'll play on the counter. And that's what they did. I mean, for, for their defenders as well, um, yeah. the Chiellini and Bonucci, they faced the taste that they had. They faced the test that they hadn't faced before when Danny yeah. Olmo was playing in that false nine and he was trying to yes. bring them both out of yeah. the play because they were both isolated when he wasn't going against them, when he was coming back into midfield. That's where Spain dominated in possession. And that's I where they, I thought that we could get at. England can get out um, Italy like that as well. They dealt with him quite adequately, I think, until Morata came on. Mm-hmm. When Morata came on, he turned the game on his head. They couldn't really deal with his runs, his, you know, when he was getting between them. Yeah, exactly. And pushing and them back. Morata was, was giving them a different test that they were used to for the 60-odd minutes or so that he wasn't on the pitch. And Morata, obviously, is a Juventus player, so he's trained with Chiellini and Benucci, like we were saying in the ground at the time as well, that yeah. if anyone on that Spain team can test these two, it was Alvaro Morata. And he did. He got between the lines a few times. He made some good decisions, some bad decisions. But in the end, he ended up scoring that goal um, to equalise for them. So that's kind of how I can see England kind of getting past Benucci and Chiellini. They have conceded a few goals in this tournament, but they were never going to keep 
as many clean sheets as we thought they did with the way that they're kind of defended. Um, Emerson is someone I think you can get at as well, the left back. He was brilliant going forward, but again, uh, Osrio Bal was easily dribbling against him and going inside and outside of him as well. Yeah, but anything you put in the box in the air or along the ground, those two are going to gobble up. Mm. You're not going to get any chances against him. I don't see it. I don't see anyone Spain, beating them in the air. Really. Every time Spain tried that, they would get nothing. They only got something when the ball was played on the ground. Like that Busquets and chance in the second half as well. Against them. Yeah, yeah. Edge of the box. And like we said, if it was anyone else but Busquets, that may have just gone in and it may have ended up being um, 1-1 at the time or 1-0 at the time, I think it was as well. But yeah. um, more onto the positive side of things for Italy at the moment. Chiesa's in fire and form. Yeah. He's amazing. He's, got, he's in his purple patch. And that's the other thing I wanted to say. We mm. talked about him defensively, but attacking-wise, you got two wide players who can break in an instant. You got Keza, who we got to see live, who just eats up the ground when he dribbles with the ball, and you got Insigne on the other side, who's equally as fast, and he's got a wonder of a left right foot. Insigne is the one at the kind of end of his career. He's coming to his mid thirties. He's coming to kind of being challenged by the likes of Bernadeschi, Ber- Berardi, Chiesa, Berardi. of course, as well. Yeah. But Chiesa was the one that started on the right-hand side. And it was basically from the left-hand side where he scored that curling shot in, which was amazing. And we had a good yeah. view of that as well. It was a fantastic yeah. goal. The crowd went mad. And it was just fantastic to see how Italy really broke on the counter. So if if that's going to be their tactic, again, for the final against an England side, um, I'm going to try and say, for me, I'd want to go for a back five. I want to have three at the back and two wing-backs, making sure that Immobile, Chiesa and Insigne, if they do all I think I think Sunday's game will be decided on who controls midfield. If it's a midfield battle, that's going to be a difficult one because they've got... Will it be the three of Italy or will it be, I don't know, who Southgate goes and puts in there? He's going to go with his trusted three, I think. He's going to go with Phillips, Rice and Mount. If he goes for a three, if he does... If he goes for that, I think... The Italians have the edge with the three they have in midfield. Unless he goes for a, a two, a Rice and a Phillips, and he goes for that back five, and Saka, Sterling, and uh, Kane will start as well. It's gonna, it's gonna see, it's gonna be mad to see how it actually goes as well. But um, just yeah. going on to the Italian extra time when they brought on all of his changes as well, when they changed the game a bit yeah. um, for them. When we were seeing them tire out a bit, we were seeing them do a bit more. Um, they were getting a bit more leggy from what I could see, and I hadn't seen that in an Italian side this tournament. I know they've been to extra time against Austria and mm. they played against Belgium in a, in a tricky game as well, but I hadn't seen them as leggy as I thought I did. And Spain really did a number on them possession-wise, but obviously went to penalties and Donnarumma, as we saw, just clearly just won the battle of the keepers and um, Olmo missed, Morata missed, and that was it really. But it's just I about... Said, I said to you when the penalties started, Donnarumma will be a beast. And he was. It, it was worth the money going to the yes. game. It, it, it was yeah. worth going for it as well. Which is great, but um, from what I from what I'm seeing from this team as well, the fact that um, the average position of these players as well, they, they just like to be in around the middle of the pitch. Uh, you don't really see them as wide as we as we like to see, but I think that's probably to Italy's advantage as well because the only time we really saw um, the players wide was on the counter attack when you saw Insigne yeah. on the touchline, Kiesa coming in from the touchline and drifting in as well, and Immobile was dr- uh, driving the defenders forward and or back for them as well. And it was quite good. I was quite happy to see how we can kind of suppress this Italian attack. And I really believe that we can suppress this Italian attack. And, but yeah, 
I really think Italy will be Italy have been the best team in this tournament so far. I know I'm an England fan, but looking at the games that we've seen, they've been brilliant. They've been fantastic to watch, and I really believe that this is something that will really come down to, like you said, a, a battle of the midfield, how we set up against them, and the battle of Mancini versus Gareth Southgate. And on paper, for me, on paper, Italy have the stronger team. That's how I see it personally, because I don't want to be that guy that goes that that goes into that English mentality of, oh, yeah, we're amazing. We've done this, this, this and this. Italy are the strongest team that we have faced in this tournament. Stronger yeah. than Germany, Ukraine, Denmark, uh, Croatia as well. Uh, Scotland been, and Czech I Republic. think Italy have been the standout team. Because they've the been, been some big teams, Spain, Belgium. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that Turkey team as well was pretty good as well. I know they, they, they ruined them, but they were a decent side as well, that Turkey side. And then it's just about how Italy kind of move forward as well. They got um, no real changes. There's got it's just obviously Spinat Zola is not going to be playing. It's going to be Emerson at left back. And like I said, I think that's where we need Saka against him or Sancho against him. Really, someone to pe- rather push him back and really test him. him. Yeah, really not, run at him. Not to let him get forward because he's another one that provides an outlet when they come forward. He nearly scored as well. I think he hit the yeah, crossbar when the bar, keeper. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, when he attacked through the left hand side and. That's what Verratti and Jorginho can do. They can just spray a pass and just sit back whilst letting the fullbacks go forward. And that's what they did. And it was great to see how Italy really played firsthand. And it was a joy to watch Italy as well uh, against the Spanish side. And for Spain as well, con- um, uh, yeah, consolations for them, commiserations for them. But they, they have, a, well. they have a bright future ahead well. of them. I, I was really happy with Pedri. Pedri is a fun player to watch. I said it all really? game. And I was like, for an 18-year-old um, to be doing that in one of the biggest games of his career it was fantastic just dictating the play playing the game well and for the first time well not for the first yeah yeah second or third time i've seen sergio busquets live and every time i watch him live he always just if you don't like sergio busquets as a footballer you don't know what he brings to a football team you don't really know much about football because you could say oh yeah he's crap he doesn't do this he's slow he's not really I good at anything but he's a very could, very delicate footballer who really dictates the what, game what spain missed when he was out the first one or two games mm-hmm. with COVID. He, was he just brilliant. keeps the ball ticking for them. He goes, it doesn't matter if he goes backwards, sideways, forwards. Is the heartbeat of that t- team for me, yeah. um, Sergio Busquets, is the one that literally just kept it going. I know he's got his uh, theatrics, his diving and all of that jazz, which he does, and I hate that personally. But as a footballer, when you see him on the pitch, it's, it's quality, how he's yeah. just done that for a number of years and kept it going for Barcelona as well. And it's great to see how... Um, he was doing that with such a young team around him and, and really just seeing how um, they're going to build for the future. Olmo, young talent, Oyazarabal, I can't pronounce his name for the life of me, mm-hmm. young talent as well. Um, Pedri, like I said, Laporte's in that team as well and he was really good. Garcia will be getting some yeah, game Garcia. time now for um, Barcelona as well. So it's going to be quite good to see how they actually do and actually move forward going forward to that World Cup. But Spain can hold their hands up high. They had a really good tournament. Everyone wrote them off, wrote them off at the start of the tournament, including me. I didn't really think they'd be doing very well. Obviously, they didn't win it, but they've done a lot better than some of these other teams. And they won mm-hmm. a penalty shootouts against the Swiss as well. So it shows some character to go forward. And um, well, last thing about Spain is Alvaro Morata. What's going to happen with him? Because everyone and their mum in Spain just hates him for what he's done. But mm-hmm. I really thought this was a time where he could actually... Um, prove all of the doubters wrong uh, in Spain and around the world of scoring that equalising goal and hopefully getting that penalty but you missed that penalty and he's been labelled the villain in the media at the moment in Spain and, and his I'm kids like, are getting death threats and all of that but it would have been nice to see him just have a bit of redemption 
at least a bit of redemption right there. You weren't really put it on Morata. You, I mean, you dragged them back into the game. You know? mm. They weren't yeah, really you were saying that. Came on. Once he yeah. came on, it, the game turned on its head. And we even had some Italians sat behind us and to the left behind us. They mm. were saying as well, when Morata came on, the game changed. And the Spanish contingency around us as well. They were all happy that Morata yeah. scored and his confidence went up and that celebration yeah. very passionate as well. I celebrate like mad when, when Morata scored us. We're going to get some extra time gameplay. We may even get penalties and we got penalties. Um, that's what it was. It was just the fact that um, Italy ended up winning on penalties and they're through to the final. Right then, the England versus Denmark one. Probably the, the least excited I'd ever been about a semi-final due to the fact that I was just exhausted from the night before of going to that other semi-final. We're just there, exhausted. I had to go to work the next day and everything was crazy. We're just there, like, tired, doing some stupid, 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 stupid um, England versus Denmark game. And I, I hate UEFA for this so much. You know why it's stupid. You saw the group chat afterwards. Why am, why am I angry at UEFA added? Why didn't you tell the listeners why, what was so stupid about what UEFA did? Ticket prices. Ticket prices. Where they seated people who paid six hundred, seven hundred euros, crazy amount of money. For ticket, ticket prices for six hundred, seven hundred euros, and the spare tickets. UEFA released them at like five p.m. on the match day. day, and you're like, "What the hell, man?" <laughs> if we if we were knowing that the tickets were coming back, we wouldn't have gone all the way back home, um, like a hundred miles away, to yeah, to go back home. We'd have just stayed the night, booked a hotel or something, and come back the next day. But they release them just before kickoff, and you're like, well, "This is ridiculous. This is awful." One, <laughs> it, it is what it is. We have to watch it at home, and um, yeah. it was a good start from England against Denmark. Denmark were really good um, throughout the whole tournament, but it was a good start from England. Sterling had a good chance or two. We were getting between the lines a bit, and Harry Kane and Sterling looked like they were, um, they were clicking properly as well. Bukayo Saka as well, taking on Vestergaard a few different times to get behind uh, Mela as well, but. That was it. And then it became a bit more difficult for Jordan Pickford. He made a couple of mistakes, uh, short throw-ins, short kicks and everything like that. Sorry. It's okay. Sorry. I think my battery's dying out on the iPad. There we go. We've got your iPad charging. And we were just um, beginning to mention the England versus Denmark semi-final where, again, we didn't get tickets, but UEFA released them at stupid o'clock in the afternoon on the match day. So we were just there, like, what are we going to do? Uh, are we going to watch the game? Uh, we had to just watch it at our homes as well. But it was a good start from England, like we said. It was a, it was good to see the front three of Saka, Kane and Sterling all kind of clicking together, getting past the, um, the back five of Denmark as well. We're not really letting... Um, the wing backs, Strigger Larson and Mailer kind of press on and really just just keep giving it to them. Again, Pickford made a couple of mistakes. I'm sorry if I'm repeating myself if it did or did not record, but um, that's how it is. And then it came to that free kick with Damsgaard and Damsgaard scored the first free kick of the Euro 2020 tournament. And what a free kick it was. What a time to score a free kick. And it was amazing because when, when you look back at it now, it was an amazing free kick is the, the way it was hit. I know Gary Neville for ITV was complaining about Jordan Pickford's positioning and all of that, but it was a great free kick. Sometimes you just got to afford it. The well, you could say Pickford was kind of a forward hit because it was down the middle, but the mm. power it was hit with would have made it a bit difficult to say as well. The power and the dip of it as well, yeah, which was and crazy. The and the swerve on it, but Pickford kind of partly was at fault for it. Yeah. You know, it's down the middle of the goal. He should be should be having some attempt at saving that. 
Because it was crazy how everyone was like, oh, Pickford this, Pickford that, after he's done so well in the Euros for us so far. But I think it's just one of those where he got tested differently. And I'm glad that we conceded because it shows how uh, mentally resilient we were in the game. And Kane was yeah. literally like that straight. was like, come on, focus, let's go again. And we didn't, we didn't sulk like we did against Croatia a couple of years ago in the World Cup. We didn't keep our heads down like we did against the Netherlands in the Nations League. We kept yeah. at, we kept going, probably because it was the first half, to be fair, compared to the second half or an extra time when they were in the other mm -hmm. games. But it was just the fact that we were looking at getting through differently with Raheem Sterling and Saka on the wings. Sterling hitting it straight at Schmeichel and then like a minute later, um, Kane threaded it through to Saka. Saka then passed it through to Sterling, but Kie, uh, Kie, Simon Kier ended up scoring an own goal, which brought it to 1-1. And it was good. It's a good end to the first half. I was quite happy with that performance. And... Um, it's just all down to the to half time as well, and then the second half was just an onslaught from England, from what I could remember and what I could see, and how we had so many half chances and chances, and Harry Maguire having that amazing header saved by Casper Schmeichel, which I said on our group chat was one of the saves of the tournament, probably the save of the tournament. I would say yeah. it was amazing what Casper uh, Schmeichel was doing as well, and it was unfortunate for Belgium um, a couple of weeks ago as well when they were having a really good performance against. Uh, Italy, but Donnarumma just kept them in the game and Donnarumma just kept it out. When you have a goalkeeping performance like that, it deserves to be rewarded, but unfortunately for Kasper Schmeichel, it wasn't. As we've gone past um, the second half and we had loads of chances and it just didn't go in. Jack Grealish came on, obviously, and went to extra time. And here's a, here's a quick fact for everyone listening. There's only three teams that have let in the first goal and gone on to win in the last, in, in all of the games in Euro 2020. So Belgium won after coming back from Denmark. Germany came back after conceding first to Portugal. And Spain came back against Croatia to win 5-3. And the fourth one was England. England coming back uh, with that penalty that was maybe not, maybe it was a penalty, I don't know, but I'm an English fan. I'm obviously going to say it was a penalty, but Kane had a penalty dis uh, claim disallowed earlier. So I thought it was just, it just balanced each other out as well. Harry Kane, not the best of penalties that we've ever seen him score. And he scored the rebound and it was 2-1 to England. But how were you feeling in that extra time period? Adam? Do you reckon that it was really ours to win? Or do you reckon that Denmark were going to sneak one in against us or it was going to penalties? How did you find that? I thought it was England's to win, but I, didn't, I thought they, it was too pragmatic again. Mm. I thought if they actually put the foot down, they could have scored two or three. But they didn't. Yeah, because I was looking through and I was like thinking of little things like bringing on Rashford for Raheem Sterling and obviously Jack Grealish got subbed after being the sub coming on. Yeah, and everyone especially was complaining that. It was like that. he made that sub to sit back defensively and not let them, you know. I thought if Grealish stayed on, he could have held the ball up. He would have won a lot more free kicks because he was winning free kicks every two minutes when he was on. Mm -hmm. And the thing that got me was... He brought Foden on, he had Grealish on the pitch, but he Ready. took Grealish off for Trippier. What was, I didn't understand that. Why he took Grealish off and put Foden on? Because there are a couple of people complaining about that. And obviously I've got friends who are Aston Villa fans and they were complaining on, on our friend that football group as well. And they were saying, what's the point of bringing them on to take him back off? And I kind of got yeah. what Gareth Southgate was doing. He had, it was 2-1 up at the time, at the end of the first half of extra time. So he had 15 minutes left to just hold the lead. So he was being his normal pragmatic self and he was bringing on one of his players that he did trust the most, Kieran Trippier. There was a rumour going around after the game that Gareth Southgate was looking after Jack Grealish because he has just come back from a long-term injury. 
from the Premier League, but everyone's kind of like, he's in the Euros, he's playing, why is he not playing a bit more? And that's probably one of the reasons why, that he's still coming back from an injury and is trying to look after him and trying to prolong him for the tournament and hopefully get give him a game against Italy. But I, I'm not going to confirm or deny any of that, but that's just what I've heard over the last 24 hours since we've um, had the game as well. But the way I see it is the fact that we're in the final. Gareth Southgate played his tactics to a to, to a note, to a right tee. Yeah. And we're in the final, which is crazy. And Harry Kane's now level with Gareth Lineker as the all-time leading goal scorer at the Euros and the World Cup with 10 yeah. goals as well. So it's, it's mad to see how Harry Kane has come back into form in the knockout stage of this tournament as well. And he is our uh, talisman that I believe... Um, is not I really gonna... think our best player this tournament has been Raheem Sterling, not yeah. Harry Kane. It hasn't been uh, Harry Kane. It's been Raheem Sterling or John Stones for me. John so even, yes, even yesterday, it was Sterling that was driving with the ball every time he got it. Raheem Sterling, I've, I've, I've loved him from the beginning of this tournament, but it's just the fact that in an England shirt, we haven't seen him do it at a major tournament. So you can kind of guess why everyone was so um, sceptical about him starting against Croatia after the form he had at the end of the season for hmm. uh, Manchester City and the Champions League final performance as well. But after that first game against Croatia, he just turned my mind around just like that. Uh, I snapped my fingers for the listeners, but he just mm. turned around just like that. And obviously, if you saw our watch-along on our YouTube channel, Friday Night Counter-Attack, um, you'd have seen how happy I was talking with uh, my friend Danny about how Raheem Sterling was pushing against the defence, how he was doing well against uh, in one-on-one -on -one situations. And he had like 10 take-ons yesterday against yeah. Denmark, which is one of the most in the tournament for an attacking player as well, which is crazy. And for Raheem Sterling to be doing this at Wembley all the time, I know he didn't score yesterday, but he was brilliant in terms of how he was taking on players, how he won the penalty, how he forced that own goal as well. And people who are watching Raheem Sterling now as an England fan and they don't see the benefit he has to this team, I don't know what, what will ever convince you of Raheem Sterling being a benefit for the team because he had a, a poor Euro 2016. He had a not-so-great uh, 2018 World Cup. But this tournament is Raheem Sterling's tournament for England and he's been the man for me and he should really get knighted if England end up winning the tournament. And like we've, we were saying before as well, he's not the poster boy of his tournament, but he's the poster boy for England fans who know um, what they've seen in this tournament. The goal against the Czech Republic, the goal against Croatia, um, the whole Germany game, the Ukraine game, again, that assist for Harry Kane yesterday's game. He's been the most consistent performer along with John Stones for me in this tournament. And Carl Walker gets a shout out as well. I know he makes a mistake or two or short passes, but he was brilliant. He was brilliant yesterday, stopping Mailer from coming down that flank as well, kind of halting Damsgaard and um, I think it's Dolberg going out to the left-hand side because Brathwaite was on the right-hand side going out as well. So Carl Walker's done very well, as along with Harry Maguire and Luke Shaw and the kind of defence that they've had as well. It's brilliant. And um, now we get on to the fun bit. A little mini preview for Italy versus England at Wembley, where we can't get tickets for as of yet. So if you see us getting tickets, then we're going to be very lucky. But um, who knows? Inshallah, we might get tickets if we don't. But it's all about if England win. How do you see Italy versus England going for yourself? Because I see it kind of being a 5-3-2 for England against the 4-3-3 of Italy. How do you see it going? Um, I think... Sounds good. Mancini's with his team. Mm -hmm. You know Mancini's not going to change his team. He doesn't need to. Unless there's injuries, he doesn't need to. He hasn't changed it from the first game of the tournament. Same and tactics. He's kept it throughout this whole tournament. So I think, I think Southgate will match up. You reckon he'll go for a 4-3-3? So kind of the same team as yesterday then? Yeah, yeah. Would you do I anything think... differently in that team? 
changing Unit. personnel. Yeah. Um, not really. Maybe in midfield, just to get more of a handle on things in midfield. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, you got I, Rice and Phillips, and I feel like that's a pretty good t- uh, type of player to have ahead in of them. Ahead of them, I'd play. I don't know, maybe a Foden or Grealish or even a Henderson. Go for a midfield free of like defensive midfielders, yeah. basically. Yeah. Even that as well. That would be like a complete nullified midfield to nullify Jorginho Verratti and Barella in that midfield as well. So mm-hmm. I kind of get why you would do that. For me, like, I, like we said before. Hmm. The game on Sunday comes down to who wins the midfield. I, I see that happening as well. But with Mason Mount, you just have his work rate. You see his dedication yesterday against Denmark. And even though he yeah. hasn't scored or really assisted or done much attacking-wise, defensively, he's done very well. It's just yeah. he has that in his locker to do it from both ways as well. So that's kind of what I see about uh, why Gareth Southgate picks Mason Mount because Mason Mount can give you that attacking opportunity. And for me, it's, uh, Raheem Sterling... Will, he probably will start. He probably will go for Mason Mount. I get what you mean, but you would rather have like a Grealish or a Saka to kind of dictate more from our side as well. Yeah. But with Mason Mount, for me, I thought you should have taken that free kick because Raheem Sterling, I've never really seen him take a free kick and score. Mason Mount's a free kick taker, so I thought it would have been the right one to have gone for in that team as well. But um, it's just the fact that with Italy, their performance against Spain for me was probably the least impressive I've seen them in this tournament. And for an England fan, that's a good thing because we saw where the weaknesses were. We saw what we could actually go against in this tournament firsthand and we could actually see how the likes of Chiellini and uh, Benucci deal with having like a false nine playing against them and all tournament everyone have said to Harry Kane maybe just stay in the box maybe just be at number nine but it's still coming back and uh, dropping into midfield a bit more which is great because he actually can play those through passes through to Saka and Sterling which we have seen and which has resulted in goals and glory for England as well so that's kind of how I see it but I want to throw a bit a big one out there. I want I want to see Jaden Sancho start against Emerson. I think one on one attacking wise, Saka's great, but I think Jaden Sancho in this tournament, um, he, yeah, we haven't I, seen the best of him. It would be nice probably, to see him against I'll Emerson. Probably see the same, but I've got a feeling that he he's going to start with Kyle Saka again. Saka's really good defensively as well. It's the fact that he does the work back, uh, going back and tracking back. Yeah, yeah. And yesterday when we saw it as well, it dropped to a four four two when we were defending. So I know we were playing against like a 3-5-2. There's like a 4-4-2 with Saka going right and Mount going left, but Sterling and Kane were just staying up against the three centre-backs as well. Yeah. So that's kind of how I see it. But with Jaden Sancho, he gives you that X factor. He can take people on one-on-one a bit better as well. And he can cut inside, go outside as well. And I think against someone like Emerson, who is really good uh, athletically and really good pace-wise as well, someone that as a defensive uh, left-back is better in the back three as opposed to being in the back two um mm. sorry back two but like a normal fullback basically so you can get between the lines of Sa- uh, Sancho can get between the lines of Emerson and Chiellini in my opinion as well that's kind of how I see it but um it's just how it's just however we go going forward as well I want to see England go at it I do want to see us play that five um five two three but I do want to see us playing with Trippier uh Shaw on the wing backs as well because I reckon having that width against them, not really matching them, but kind of nullifying their attack whilst breaking against them on the counter will work well because that's how I think Italy will go against us. I think they'll try and break us on the counter and I reckon they'll try and get us to open up a bit more. But if we have it closed like Gareth Southgate has been doing, a closed defence, conceding only one goal this tournament, it's great because I reckon England will kind of will kind of play into their hands if we play a 4-3-3 for me. I see Verratti, Jorginho dictating that midfield 
I've seen Phillips and Rice kind of being outplayed personally. That's how I see it. But if it's a 5 3 2, we have an extra man at the back and we have an extra man that, like Carl Walker stepping into midfield if needs be, Hurricane mm-hmm. dropping back into midfield, Saka dropping back if needs be as well, which works. But how do you see it tactically between Mancini and Southgate? Do you see anything that Roberto Mancini will be looking at England in terms of their weaknesses if they go for a back four or back five? How do you see, how do you think Roberto Mancini will try and dominate England? With his Italian side, controlling possession—that's what I think. Keeping the ball moving, I think that's how he can get at England as well. It's because you have two of those players in that midfielder. Verratti, we've seen a bit more going forward as well, which is great for the tournament. Mm-hmm. And Jorginho has been the one sitting and kind of dictating the play because, mm-hmm. again, he's a player that no one really appreciates because he doesn't do well defensively. He's not the best attacking wise. Is mm. slow, is not strong, but he dictates a football game. And I think that's what people in, in England need to kind of appreciate and understand that. It's not always about the stats and it's not always about the glory. It's about um, just literally just being there for your team and as a team player. And that penalty he scored against Spain. Oh, that was something else. Ridiculous. And he just sat the goalkeeper down and the goalkeeper just applauded him straight away before the ball was in the back of the net when, when we oh, were there as well. Else. We were just there, like Italian fans are celebrating because we knew Jorginho was the last penalty taker and he scored and he and he won it for them, which was crazy, absolutely crazy. But I don't see it going to penalties. I see it being one in 19 minutes. I see England winning. That's the England fan in me, but I'm I'm obviously afraid of Italy. Two best teams in a tournament by far for me. I don't yeah. see anyone else who's actually done well. Besides Switzerland, I would say. They were a really good underdog that we saw in this tournament. Uh, but that's kind of how I see it. I see England winning 90 minutes. I'm afraid of this Italian side, but I know Gareth Southgate and the England team aren't afraid of this Italian side. And that's the main thing for me. How do you see this game going, Adam? I'm more pessimistic than you are. <laughs> yeah, I don't um, mind you being pessimistic about it, but it's, it's the Italians, what we're going to do. We, we haven't really beat them. I want England to win, but inside me, it's like saying that Italy have been too strong this whole tournament and I think they'll be too strong again on Sunday. We don't see them changing anything. Roberto Mancini has nothing to change in this team. Yeah. England have that probability of changing the formation, changing the lineup to attack this Italian side and to defend differently against this Italian side as well. Roberto Mancini literally doesn't need to change anything at all. His he players know his players they have know. that history with him as well. They have that set yeah. lineup, like you said, and it's a young team for both of these sides as well. Again, with the old older heads in Chiellini, Bonucci on that side as well. But it's a young team and it's a team that I believe will go far in this tournament. Sorry, in this one, in the next couple of tournaments, Italy and England as well, respectively. But we're in the final. Italy haven't lost a game in 35 games. That's Mm -hmm. what England have to deal with. If anyone's going to beat them, it has to be England and it has to be on Sunday. If it's not England on Sunday, then I'm not sure how we are going to ever recover from losing in a final like this because it could rather be pandemonium across the United Kingdom or basically England I should say or it could be heartbreak and Com- despair complete sadness it will be complete sadness or complete elation and <laughs> I want I want more of those scenes that we saw in London yesterday and around the country of people throwing their drinks in the air celebrating smiling everyone messing each other messaging each other calling each other after the game and really celebrating the fact that England are in the final for the first time since 1966. That's insane. 1966, it's the first final we've seen in our lifetime. And people have always been doubting Gareth Southgate, the audacity to doubt, uh, doubt the manager. One more game, and it's at Wembley, 
65,000 fans, most of them will be English. If the atmosphere is just like it was yesterday, I don't see us losing. I really don't see us losing. But it's just about if England can play the game, not the occasion, like they did against Scotland. Like that yeah. game against Scotland, they played the occasion and they just they just like succumbed to the One fans. Mm. But no, those are my kind of closing messages. I just want to say, come on, England, we're gonna love you. We're gonna love you forever. I'll probably get like a kit of Raheem Sterling or whoever scores in the final if we win for like me and a couple of other people. I'll just I'll just treat them to a kit because memorabilia in it. I've seen my England rugby team win a World Cup final. I've seen my England cricket team win the World Cup final. I've seen Andy Murray win um, gold at the Olympics, and I've seen him win Wimbledon twice. I've seen the Great, great British um, Olympic team do amazing, 2004, 2008, 2012, 2016. England football team, let's go. We want to see something. We want to smile. We want to make the nation smile. And that's kind of how I see it. Adam, do you have any closing messages for the England national team uh, before we go? I'll just say, come on, England. That's it. <laughs> it's coming home. It needs to come <laughs> home, please. <laughs> Please just come home. I can't get tickets for this game for the life of me, but please just bring it home, England. <laughs> Whatever happens, it's going to be a great go game. To Rome. Just don't, just don't. It's not going to Rome. It's go. It's coming home. It's not it's going to Rome at to all. Rome. Don't let go to Rome at all. But no, uh, everyone. Thanks for watching. GoPro football will be out next week again. I'm going back to football tomorrow, so I can't wait for that. Um, you're going to be seeing more of our check it out videos on YouTube. We've got this obviously as our new episode coming out and. After the Euros, we're going to be taking a bit of a break from podcasting, to be fair. We're going to take a bit of a break on um, just talking about it because we're going to go on our little holidays, our staycations away. So uh, it'll be nice to take a break, relax and recharge again for the upcoming seasons. You'll see me doing collabs with other podcasts, which will be great. But it's just the fact that it's been an exhausting season. We've had a long 13, 14 months of being in this pandemic and hopefully England can bring us some joy come Sunday and it will be great. But Anna, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for nice. Tuesday night, obviously, for joining me for the game. It was an amazing game, amazing acts for worth well, every penny. And England versus Italy, Sunday, 8 p.m. GMT. It's going to be a great game. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thanks for the support. Take care. And obviously, subscribe, follow, and share Friday Night Council wherever you are. Take care and goodbye. <laughs>